Good morning and welcome to Spiritual Mind, Spiritual You. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I'm filling in today for Dr. Pauline Hughes. We want to begin with our foundational scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to overcome the enemies of the harvest. And we're going to talk about how to identify and overcome the spirit of mammon. In our last setting, I talked to you about the spirit of poverty and how that spirit is a stronghold and it holds us in bondage. These are days of harvest. As a matter of fact, on my way to the office several weeks ago in a time of worship, the Lord spoke very clearly to me and said, you are entering into a reaping season. Now, what does that mean? It means it is time for harvest. And if we're going to harvest from the seeds that we've sown, whatever seed we have sown, we're going to harvest. The Bible says in Genesis 8, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. In Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. I love the words of verse 9. In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I like the way that reads in the New Living Translation. It says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to enter this harvest season. And we're going to overcome the enemies who've come to steal our harvest. God's desire is to bless his children. He's not the God of just enough, but he is the God of more than enough. And he's the God of abundance. I love the latter part of John 10, 10. It says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. God wants to bring you into a place of his abundance. But I must caution you that as we enter this harvest season, there will be enemies who come to take away and steal away our harvest. One of the main strongholds that must be pulled down is poverty. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself, against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Who are the thieves who seek to steal away our harvest? Well, in our last setting, we identified one of the thieves as the spirit of poverty. And I want to remind you that as believers, we're engaged not in a physical conflict, but we're engaged in a spiritual conflict. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Poverty is a stronghold. 
What is a stronghold? Well, Ed Savoso of Harvest Ministry defines a stronghold as a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes me to accept as unchangeable something we know is contrary to the will of God. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus said, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? Who is this strong man? Jesus identifies the strong man in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Several months ago, I taught a series of lessons identifying the spirit of Baal as a strong man in our nation. And one of the names of Baal is Baal Hamon, the God of wealth. His name means Lord of wealth or abundance. The enemy wants to stop the promises of God and control the earth and its wealth. But I have come with good news. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. We are entering into a reaping season. God is elevating us so we can accomplish and do more for his kingdom. I believe it is time to bind the strong man and spoil his goods. The enemy has robbed you and I long enough. It's time to recover what the enemy has stolen from us through mammon and the spirit of poverty. So for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about how to bind this strong man, the spirit of mammon. Let's expose this spirit of mammon. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Who is mammon? Mammon was worshiped as a deity. The American Dictionary of the English Language defines mammon as riches, wealth, or the God of riches. Gregory of Nyssa, one of the church fathers, asserted that mammon was another name for Beelzebub. Beelzebub is also identified as Beelzebub. Dutch Sheets writes the following about Baal. He said, Baal, or Beelzebub, is identified as the ruler of demons in Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Beelzebub is another name for Baal. The worship of idols is literally the worship of demons. Albert Barnes, in his notes on the New Testament, states that mammon was a Syriac word for an idol worshipped as the god of riches, similar to Plutus among the Greeks. Pastor Robert Morris writes, he said, mammon is an Aramaic word that essentially means riches, and apparently the Assyrians got the concept of a god of wealth from their neighbor, the Babylonians. Babylon was a city that was founded on arrogance and pride. In Genesis 11, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. Listen to the words of those in Babel in Genesis 11:4. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. I want you to note the pride. Let us build ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. At its heart is an attitude that says man doesn't need God. We are self-sufficient. 
And that's exactly what the spirit of mammon says to us. You don't need God. Trust in riches. The full life study Bible says mammon means money or possessions. And Jesus states unequivocally that one cannot at the same time serve God and money. To serve money is to place such a high value that we place our trust and faith in it and look to it for our ultimate security and happiness except to guarantee our future. And we desire it more than we desire God's kingdom and his righteousness. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Jesus instructs us in Matthew 6, 24, that we can't serve God and mammon. The word serve there denotes worshiping or bowing down. To serve something indicates that it is, it is a being and that it has personhood. Mammon is a God and to serve him is to serve Satan. When we serve mammon, we are worshiping a false God and this is idolatry. Now, what does the Bible say? about idolatry. Well, in Exodus 20, beginning in verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. The New Testament continues this theme in 1 John 5, 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Pastor Robert Morris writes, mammon wants to rule. The spirit of mammon is looking for servants. It is seeking worshipers. It will promise you everything but deliver nothing. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. He states you will serve one and despise the other. Mammon seeks to take the place of God. We can't put our trust in riches. Have you heard people say, if I just had a million dollars, that would solve my problems. If I could just win the lottery, if I would just be the recipient of the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes where I won $10 million, that would solve all of my problems. If you'll do an in-depth study of those people who gain riches very quickly, you'll find that it don't solve their problems. It creates far more problems, and many times it destroys them, and it destroys their famine. Mammon seeks to take the place of God in your life. Pastor Jimmy Evans writes, he said, Mammon promises those things that only God can give, security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon claims it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. In the biblical sense, mammon is a spirit that rests on money. And I love what Pastor Morris teaches. He says all money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God on it. Money that is submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of the Lord on it. And when money is blessed, it will multiply. Look at Malachi chapter three, verse 10 through 12. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. 
The reason we cannot serve both God and mammon is because the spirit of mammon is the very opposite of the spirit of God. Mammon says to take, God says to give. Mammon is selfish, God is generous. Pastor Robert Marr says money's not the answer to our problems, God is. Many times when we are under pressure, the thought will come to us, actually it is mammon speaking to us, and that we need one or two things to happen. We either need God to miraculously change our circumstances, or we need someone to drop a truckload of money on us. The daydream usually involves, like I said earlier, winning the lottery or a contest or a sweepstakes or the death of a wealthy relative that we didn't know about. But secondly, notice how the spirit of mammon tries to position itself as a substitute for God. You either need God to work a miracle right now or you need more money. That's simply a lie. We need God, period. Money that has not been submitted to God has this spirit on it by default. That's why we bring a tenth of our income and we return it to the Lord as a tithe because what he does is he rebukes the curse of mammon off of the 90% we have left. He takes and blesses that and multiplies that and he uses it to bless us so we can be a blessing to others and a blessing to the kingdom of God. So we've exposed mammon, but now let's learn how to evict mammon. How do we bind this strong man? Jesus taught that we have to bind the strong man if we're going to plunder his house. Look at Matthew 12, 29. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Now, we often use that in the sense of we're going to bind this strong man and that's true, but you're the strong man in your house and you need to refuse to be bound by the enemy, especially by this spirit of mammon. So I've come today to plunder the house of the enemy. It's time to pull down and dismantle the stronghold of mammon. It's time to overcome the enemy who has held up our breakthrough and kept us from the blessings God has destined for us to have to use for his kingdom. Now, God's not going to bless you so you can have 10 cars in your garage. And if you have 10 cars in your garage, that's okay. He's not blessing us so we can get more stuff. He's blessing us so we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. You see, mammon seeks to hold us in bondage and keep us in fear. Anytime fear is in the mix, God is not in the mix. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, who is this strong man? He is an idolatrous God. Actually, he is a demon. And when we worship idols, we are literally worshiping Satan. We are worshiping demons. So when we bow down or we worship an idol or a false deity, we're engaging in false worship. And we're engaging in a lie. Mammon is a liar. Jesus identified Satan as the father of lies. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the apostle identifies the enemy as our adversary and as a roaring lion who is seeking whom he may devour. The strong man is mammon, and he seeks to replace your trust in God with fear and self-sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 gives a definition of the strong man we engage when we seek to do God's will, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. How do we bind the strong man and spoil his goods? 
1 Peter 5, 9, we resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. How do we bind the strong man? We resist him in faith. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have to just resist the devil. You see, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do we overcome evil? We don't overcome evil by screaming at the devil. We overcome evil by doing good. We respond in the opposite of the enemy. See, that's the thing about the kingdom. That's the thing about the gospel. We don't do it the way of the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I get my mind renewed? By meditating and studying the word of God. Oh, pastor, I'm going to come to the altar, get zapped by the spirit, and my mind's automatically going to be renewed. No, you have to let the word of God wash over your mind. And what he does is he deals with attitudes. He deals with strongholds. He deals with mindsets. He deals with things that we've been taught that are the traditions of men and not the word of God. He deals with things that we have held in our life, prejudices and issues and other things that we have allowed the enemy to set up a stronghold in our mind. And as we pray and intercede and cry out to God and read and study his word, he renews our mind and our thinking changes. And we begin to think according to the word of God. So we respond in the opposite of what the enemy's doing. So how do we overcome deception? With truth. We bless those who curse us. We do good to those who despitefully use us. You overcome the enemy through the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Dr. Frank Damasio says this, Satan uses the power of manipulation and deception to steal from us, but we are to use the power of truth to recover all that the enemy has taken. We must understand that Satan has already been defeated by the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You and I have authority through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I love the words of Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, which are satanic spirits, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. One of the greatest weapons we have as believers is a renewed mind. Our foundational scripture for spiritual mind, spiritual you, is found in Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I found this illustration by Mike Herman. He said, I've been going to professional baseball games and trying to get a souvenir baseball as far back as I can remember. A foul ball, a home run ball, or even a practice, batting practice ball, anything would do. I was taking in batting practice for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I watched Mark McGuire and his teammates. I got to know a little five-year-old boy who was also trying to get a ball. His name was James. 
He tried hard to pronounce the players' names as he politely asked for a ball. Mr. Timwin, for Timlin, can I have a ball, please? Before I knew it, my mission became getting a ball for James. For about 20 minutes, I told him the names of the players who had a ball near the fence. We stood behind, and the players turned and smiled as James tried to say their names. Still no ball. Finally, I told James he could have my ball if I caught one. I have been unsuccessful in catching a ball for almost 28 years, so that felt like a safe promise. I wouldn't be telling this story if you didn't know what happened five minutes later. I caught a ball, and yes, I gave it to James. I wonder how often God waits to give something until we're willing to give it away. God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Take your only son Isaac and present him to me as an offering. Isaac was the promised seed. Isaac was a miracle baby. But yet God told him to come and to give Isaac to him. And when Isaac and Abraham went up on the mountain before Abraham could present him as a sacrifice to God, God called to him and he found a ram in the thicket. What we value the most, we must be willing at times to give it back to the Lord. Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He will cause men to give into your bosom. I've come this morning to dismantle the spirit of mammon to help you to recognize the spirit of poverty. How do I know that poverty is at work in my life? Number one, poverty's job is to make you be ashamed of the blessings of God. Poverty's job is to get you to fear that you're going to lack in the future. Therefore, you won't give. But the Bible says he that is generous will be made rich. There's a difference in riches and in wealth. If you have your health today, you're a rich person. If your children are saved and love the Lord today, you're a rich person. If you have a roof over your head today, if you have enough to eat and you can feed your family, you're a rich person. If you have a job and it provides for your needs, you're a rich person. There are many in other nations that would trade places with us in the United States of America. Some years ago, my family was in the real, real estate business. We were in the housing business. And in 2008, when the housing crash took place and the, all of that crisis took place, we all suffered loss. And I was sharing this with a friend of mine who was talking about how blessed we were in our nation. And he was from another nation. He pastored in another nation. And he said to me, he said, I will trade my abundance for your crisis any day. I have never forgotten that. I have never forgotten the words that he spoke. I will trade your abundance for my crisis any day. How do we overcome? Revelation 12, 11. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We have to enter the strong man's house and we have to bind the strong man and we'll plunder his house. Jesus said, what I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What I loose on earth shall be loosed in the heavens. This morning, we're going to bind the spirit of mammon and we're going to declare that this spirit no longer has a hold over each of us. 
God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And this morning, in the name of Jesus, I bind the strong man. I take dominion over mammon. I declare that mammon shall no longer have any hold in my life or in the lives of those who are praying with me today. We believe that you can do beyond our comprehension or understanding. And we believe that according to John 10, 10, the thief is the one who steals. The thief is the one who comes to rob us of our harvest and our harvest season. Father, you said in your word, the fields are white already to harvest. Don't say that in four months, the harvest will come, but look into the fields because they are already ready to be harvested. So we bind the thief that comes to rob us of our harvest, that comes to rob us of our God-desired and God-destined blessings. We take dominion today in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And we declare that we will enter in to the abundant life that Jesus taught in the latter part of John 10, 10. And here's what it says. I will give you life and I will give it to the fullest measure. That's what it really means. I will give you life and life to the fullest measure. So in Jesus name, we receive that today. My time is almost up. I want to say thank you to Dr. Pauline Hughes. Dr. Pauline and Ronnie are dear friends, and we love them very much. And we pray for them as they do the will of the Lord, and they fulfill the ministry that God has given to them. It's an honor to come to you each time that we're able to come to you via radio. And we want to bless you. And I want to encourage you that if you want more information about my ministry, I have a podcast, I have a blog, and I blog about these things. Go to terrybailey.org, terrybailey.org. God bless you. I look forward to being with you again, and we will continue this study in our next setting, and we will talk about how to overcome the spirit of robbery. The enemy would love to rob you, but we're going to rise up in the name of Jesus and declare that he is bound and that we're going to have what God said we can have. We're going to be what God said we can be, and we're going to do what God said we can do. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Remember, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Spiritual mind, spiritual you.